Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of Kandelavi's book. This is session 22, and we are on page 79 of the book, Respect for All Madhabs and Imams. One thing that should never be forgotten is that a muqallid of any mujtahid is not allowed to be disrespectful of any hadith master because he opposes the opinion of his own imam. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised that this is common sense, or you'd be surprised how much this should be common sense but is not, right? You know, people fall into their asabiyah, their tribal loyalty, their prejudice. Uh, in the same way they do about, let's say, being Muslim versus being other groups, they'll, be, they'll do that about being Hanafi versus being other groups. Mm-hmm. And they want to keep insisting about Abu Hanifa is the best of the best, or that Imam Malik is the best of the best, and you get into this tribalism and this rivalry, which sometimes gets serious. And so likewise for these masters, these are the people who have saved Islam, right? Mm. By way of, of revamp, not revamping is not the right word, but making it, you know, relevant in, you know, their generation and beyond. Mm-hmm. Taking what we've been given by the Prophet, peace be upon him, you know, by Allah, through the Prophet, peace be upon him. And had these not scholars done their tireless work, our Islam today would have been an even bigger mess than it is in terms of what we would do with what the, with the Prophet, peace be upon him, and his legacy. <clears throat> in fact, even the heart should be kept pure about them. Yeah. Sheikh of, uh, of Islam ibn Taymiyyah dedicated a whole booklet titled Raf al-Malam uh, an a'immatul a'alam. A'alam, mm-hmm. yeah. On this matter, which is important and worth reading, this booklet is available se- separately and is also uh, appended to his collection of fatwas. In this booklet, he says, "It is incumbent upon all Muslims to befriend the pious ones as they st- as they do." Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and His uh, blessed Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Since it is an order of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala in the Quran, this is especially regarding the scholars of Islam who are the inheritors of the prophets of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, and who are. Like the stars in the sky which guide us in the night, when its darkness descends on the earth, on the land, and the seas. The community is unanimous in agreeing upon the insight and their guidance. The scholars of the Muslims are the greatest in the community because they are the successors of the Blessed Prophet and survivors of the Sunnah of the Blessed Prophet. The Book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is preserved through them and they are nourished by it. It should be understood that none amongst the accepted Imams wantonly rejected the ahadith of the Blessed Prophet This is because they are all unanimous that adherence, uh, adherence to the Blessed Prophet is obligatory and that anyone can be accepted or rejected, uh, but none can reject the ahadith of the Blessed Prophet If the opinion of any scholar contradicts a hadith, there must be a reason behind it. Yeah, <coughs> especially that last sentence. Yeah. If the opinion of any scholar contradicts a hadith, there must be a reason behind it. So what are you doing? What does that mean you're doing? You are assuming you know, the the simple the simple term would be husnavan, which is to have a good opinion. But we're saying something more than that. We're saying okay, the scholar is not a fool. Okay. Uh, if the scholar is saying something that contradicts a hadith, uh, there's a wisdom, there's a logic, there's a reasoning in there, and that that should make complete sense. It doesn't mean you're going to agree with it at the end, but you shouldn't automatically write off the scholar because what you're actually saying is my understanding of this hadith supersedes the scholars understanding of this hadith and that's what the actual issue is yeah. after this ibn taymiyyah narrates 10 reasons why the imams did not accept a hadith yeah he makes we it said that right huh? we already saw that oh yeah yeah uh he makes it clear that these are only the apparent reasons 
These are, there, are, uh, there may be many other reasons we have no information about. In this booklet, he specifically rebutes those who are critical of the imams. He also writes that if a mujtahid is t mistaken in his ijtihad, he receives one reward and his mistake is forgiven, but if he is correct, he's rewarded double, his reward is doubled. If he is not among the people of knowledge and he does ijtihad, he will be sinful. This is like the example of the hadith about the man who received a head injury and asked if he could perform dry ablution when he was told he could, must take a bath, mm -hmm. and he died as a result soon after the bus prophesied so said about them, they killed him, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala kill them. Furthermore, there is a long discourse in the fat fatwas of Ibn Taymiyyah in response to the question, was Shaykh Abdul Qadir Jalani among the loftiest of the friends of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and was Imam, Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal the greatest of the Imams? This article is also worth reading. In his article, in this article, Ibn Taymiyyah writes that one who believes the taqlid of Imam Shafi'i is the most virtuous should not criticize those who believe in the taqlid of Imam Malik is the, virtu uh, is the most virtuous. Likewise, those who believe that the taqlid of Imam Ahmad ibn Hanbal is the greatest should not criticize those who believe the taqlid of Imam Shafi'i is the greatest. Therefore, it is important for one to be cautious in taqlid of the imam he believes to be closest to the truth. And this, is all, this also goes for the mujtahid when he follows what he believes to be the closest to the truth. The most important thing is to never follow your lower nafs yourself and to never speak on an issue without prior knowledge of it. Mm -hmm. Ibn Taymiyyah also writes that those who accuse Imam Abu Hanifa and other Imams of deliberately taking analogical deduction over the authentic ahadith are displaying animosity towards the Imams because they are only speaking from conjecture and from their base desires. Take, for example, Imam Abu Hanifa. They said that on many occasions he inclined towards uh, analogical deduction over authentic hadith. But then Ibn Taymiyyah counters this by narrating many instances of Imam Abu Hanifa taking authentic hadith over analogical deduction. All this reference to Imam uh, Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, I think is probably intentional mm -hmm. because for many Salafis, he's sort of like their sheikh. Oh, okay, okay. And then, and so, so what Sheikh Khandelvi is saying is, nah, yeah. he was very serious about about uh, 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 all of these these scholars and imams and such. In Tathiratul Rashid, Sheikh Ashik Ilahi Mirati illustrates the hadith sessions of Sheikh Rashid Ahmed Gangohi and says Sheikh Gangohi would say, I have a special place in my heart for the madhab of Imam Abu Hanifa and I'm at peace about it its being untruth. How? Despite this love and affection for the madhab of Imam Abu Hanifa, it was unthinkable of him to disrespect any other madhab, uh, another madhab, or the imam of another madhab. If he ever saw any one of his students inclined towards spurning, uh, spurning another madhab, he corrected him both verbally and practically. Even in taqlid, he disliked the rise of sectarianism and discrimination. If he felt some students being biased towards the hadith masters, he changed the, dis the course of his speech. When any of the students raised, any, uh, raised an uh, objection, or he heard any of them making a, make a cutting remark about any of the hadith masters, his look would change and he began narrating the evidence of evidences of Imam Bukhari in place of the evidences of the Hanafi Madhab. This was in order to inculcate love and respect to this in the students for the hadith masters. Mm -hmm. So see what he was doing? He would shift, uh, to make the same conclusion, he'd shift to evidence of Imam al-Bukhari mm -hmm. to make the point, okay, these are all part of our, our family. Mm -hmm. In Ab BT, Sheikh Ashraf Ali Tanwi is quoted, quoted from Ifdati Yomiya as narrating that once a scholar sat in Sheikh Gangohi's session. After hearing Sheikh speech, Sheikh's speech, he became zealous and cried out, Sheikh, in your session, even a hadith becomes Hanafi. <laughs> <laughs> if Imam Shafi'i was alive, he would have been silenced. 
Sheikh became red uh, with anger and said, What are you saying? You think I would have the courage to say anything if Imam Shafi was alive? Mm -hmm. <laughs> if he was here at this moment, I would not dare speak in front of him. In fact, I would become his muqallid and would uh, reject the taqlid of Imam Abu Hanifa because it's not permissible to follow a deceased mushahid while another is alive. Mm -hmm. I remember too from the elders that Sheikh Gango, he said, Before Imam Shafi, my speech is like a childish, ob childish object. Mm -hmm. Objection. Oh, objection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, it's all this is making that same point. Uh, let's see. Um, let's stop right here, because this is a larger section. And so next time, inshallah, we will do the ten properties. All right, any other last questions or thoughts? This one is pretty straightforward. All right, subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastafiruka natubu ilayk wa akhidu da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.